Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 44. Excuse me, 43. Isaiah chapter 43, and we're going to look at verse 18 and 19. But before we do that, uh, this is our second sermon uh, in my second message in our new series entitled Brand New. Brand new. This word, this term brand new has been around. It's not brand new. It's been around since the 16th century. This was a word that, of course, is used to describe something that's never been used before. It's a a word to describe something that is new, never been used. But this word originates uh, from the... the era of a blacksmith. You remember the blacksmith would take steel, metal of some sort, and put it in the fire. And it'd get real hot. So hot that it would actually be, the steel and the metal would actually be, be able to be molded. It would soften it up. It would be, become pliable once it was in the heat. And that's what this word's talking about. It refers to the newness of an object fresh from the fire or the forge. Do you know what a forge is? Uh, that's like an open oven where hot fire and, and coals and are there for the blacksmith where he puts that metal object in there so that it can be fashioned and made. Maybe a sword, maybe a knife, maybe, I don't know, something, anything. Whatever the blacksmith wants it to be, that's what it is, but it has to go through the fire. And I'm telling you this, you are brand new in Christ Jesus because you came out of the fire. In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is is known as a fire. It's symbolic. A lot of the Old Testament scripture is fire. Actually, in the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit came down upon the people in the uh, upper room in Acts chapter 2, he said it was like tongues of of fire or, or, or yeah fell on the people and so we we see that uh, when we are born again born of the spirit we're actually born out of the fire and we are brand new there's a verse in the bible that says all things have passed away behold all things have i'm going to interject this word all things have become brand new you are made new and you're not who you used to be is anybody uh excited about the fact that when you got saved your past was erased and you're no longer who you used to be you're not just a better person but you are a new person in christ jesus born out of the fire brand new this is who we are i want you to look at a at a conversation that Peter and Jesus have together. You find this in Luke chapter 22. Now, I've talked about, well, wait a minute. Did I read our foundational text? I didn't. Let me go back. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. Let me read it to you. Do not remember the past events. Pay no attention to things of old. Next verse. Look. I'm about to do something new. Are you okay? What's that noise? Turn it off. Look, I'm about to do something new. Now, I find it interesting that he says, look, you know what? Because this is the prophet Isaiah. The reason I like this is because I don't always understand what God is doing, but I know God doesn't live in the past. He's always in the present, you see. And so when he says, look, I see something new. Look, I'm about to do something new. Here's the facts. I don't see it. I don't see what God is doing, but I know God is doing something. You see, and you say, well, oh, pastor, I thought, I mean, aren't you a man of God? Don't you know what God is doing? I know he's doing something, but I don't know exactly what he's doing. I trust him. See, he would be a pitiful God, Brother Lonnie, a pitiful God if I understood everything about him. 
If I could wrap my mind around what he's doing in every moment, then he would not be God. But you know what? I can't understand him, TK. I don't understand why I go through loss at times. I don't understand why he takes away and he gives. But I do know this. I will speak the words of Job. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I don't understand everything, every moment of my life. But I do know this. I, I don't have to understand him. All he's asking me to do is trust him. That's all he's asking me to do is trust him. He said, look, I'm about to do something new. Now it's coming. Don't you see it? No. But I trust him. Indeed. He says, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. Uh, is anybody in a wilderness season of your life? You can't see it, but he's already made a way out. Uh, rivers in the desert. Maybe you're in a desert season in your life but can I remind you what he was to the woman at the well he is to you today you can be right in the middle of a desert season and he will be that water for your soul do you not see it no Christian I don't always see it but I know he's working I, I don't always feel it but I know he's moving I don't always understand him, but I'm learning, Cecil, to trust him. Am I making sense to anybody today? Now, I've talked about a lot of things. I've talked about already, I've used these illustrations of, of a wilderness or a, or a desert. These times in our lives, I've heard it said, uh, preachers use illustrations of mountains and valleys. I've been on both, in both. I've been on top of the mountain. I've been down in the valley. I've been around a lot of people and thought I had a bunch of friends and felt really good. I also know what it's like to be alone and feel lonely. I know what it's like to be around a bunch of people and feel like I'm by myself. But you know it's in those times that God has never left me alone. He's never left me by myself. And I've never had to question his faithfulness. Now I've had to question my faithfulness. But I've never had to question his faithfulness. Because I've learned this thing as I go. I've learned that the God when I've got enough and plenty is still the God when I don't have anything. And I don't know what to do. He's still the God of the mountain. And he's still the God in the valley. He's the God in the desert. And he's God right in the middle of the stream. He's God in the wilderness but he's also a God when I feel like I can understand everything and I know what he's doing either way in any situation he is God I heard I heard somebody say this actually it was Monica and uh, she's back there doing something in the within the uh, what do you call that media uh, with a live stream she goes to the nine o'clock she's in the nine o'clock service most of the time and uh, she had said uh, something like, uh, you know, when, when, you, when someone gets the healing, you've been praying for it, and you receive the healing, people will say, God is good. When you are in a financial mess, and you see supernatural provision come your way, people will say, God is good. When what you're praying for goes the way you want it to go, you'll say, God is good. But I stand up here today and tell you whether it goes like you want it to go or it doesn't go like you want it to go, God is still good. Uh, is that okay? Can you just say, yeah, I believe God's good today? Whether it works out like I want it to, God is is good. I told you the other day that God will allow us to go through things though that don't feel good. I told you about how 
uh, we had to force Judah, my two-year-old son, to take his medicine. He always loved medicine. He's like me. He loves food. He loves anything that tastes good. And you, we gave him this great medicine, and it was good. And he loved it, and he'd take it, and he thought it was great. Well, the doctor prescribed him an antibiotic, and it was that chalky white kind, okay? Some people like it. Some people don't. Judah did not care for it. And we, he, we said, we got some medicine for you. Oh, he's ready to go. We shoot it down his mouth. He made up his mind after he took that dose. He wasn't taking medicine no more. And he meant it, y'all. He meant it. Next time, it was time for the next dose. And I told Judah, Judah, Holly told Judah, time to take your medicine. And he, who used, he always eager to take medicine. Now, all that's changed. He looked at us, shook his head, and run in the opposite direction. Well, I knew that this would be good for him. He needed to take his medicine. So, Kevin, I done what every godly man does. I chased him down into the corner. I picked him up. I put him in a headlock. I, I forced his mouth open. And I said, Holly, hurry, quick, before he bites me. Shoot it in there. <laughs> Screaming to the top of his lungs, Holly takes that syringe and Shoots it like a super soaker, 5,000. <laughs> and there it goes, all the way into the back of his throat. And then I done what my, see, y'all want me to teach a parenting class, don't you? Uh, I did what my dad, the first thing come to me, do what your daddy done when he tried to get his coon dogs to take medicine. So you know what I done? I done exactly that. I said, I blew in his face and Judah said, swallow it. And I looked over at my wife and said, how many doses are left? <laughs> but see, I knew something. After that, I traumatized myself. I traumatized my wife. Poor Judah wouldn't have nothing to do with me all week long. But I realized something being a dad. Not a great dad, but an okay dad. I learned this Sometimes I got to do things for my kids that don't always feel good, but it's good for them. And see, what I'm learning about God is he's not an okay dad. He's not even a good dad. He's the perfect dad. And something I'm about to preach now. And he'll allow us to go through things. He'll, he'll allow us to walk in the fire. He'll allow us to touch the heat. He'll allow us to go through seasons in our life that aren't always pleasant. But see, I've learned this about God, that he'll allow things to happen to us. And they're not to destroy us. They are to develop us. Can I get somebody to say, preacher, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. See, it's not to destroy you but it's to develop you and I want you to look at this conversation now in Luke chapter 22 verse 31 that Jesus has with his disciple Peter now there's so much to be mined out of these two verses and and and, and some things that God spoke to me that I want to share with you today so here we go Simon Simon look out now just stop there do you remember what my foundational text was Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18 and 19. Remember what, what, what the prophet said as God was telling him what to say? He told him, do you not see it? See, there's some things in our lives that we do not see, but God sees it. And he told Simon, he said, Simon, you don't see it. Has anybody in here ever been blindsided? Something you didn't put on the calendar. Something you did not schedule. Something you didn't tell somebody, hey, remind me because this is happening. It just come out, we say, of the blue. It was unscheduled and if you knew about it, you would never schedule it in the first place. And it just happened, we say. It just happened by coincidence. No, 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 no. See, there's nothing just happens in our lives. Simon, Simon, Jesus said, I see something you don't see. Look out. Hmm. Are you listening this morning? Now watch this. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you. Uh, don't forget who's talking here. 
Jesus is talking to Peter. And he's saying, Peter, look out. There's something I see that you do not see. Satan has asked me if he can shift you like wheat. But then he said something that it's just hard for me to get past. He said, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Stop there. We're going to go through this thing really quick. Are you ready? The first thing that sticks out to me in this conversation between Peter and Jesus is this. Look, go back Look uh, to the uh, verse 31. Uh, go back to verse. Look out. Satan has asked. Stop there. Now, let me preach it. But you're right. <laughs> Satan does not. I believe we have become, begin to think as we see things going on in our world, we have begun to think that Satan just has his way. He can do whatever he wants to do. Pastor, look at the wars. Pastor, look at the hunger. Pastor, look at COVID. Look at the sickness. Look at all the stuff that's going on. Pastor, just look. Look around us. Look at the world that we're living in. But I'm telling you what God's word says. God's word says Satan does not get to do anything without asking God first. Now I'm fixing to mess up some of y'all's theology. And I'm okay with that. Because I'm right. <laughs> Satan asked God. There is nothing that has been thrown at you that God didn't allow to come your way. Because here's the thing. If he didn't allow it, that means, means he could not stop it. And if he could not stop it, then he is no God at all. But I'm telling you today that whatever's been thrown at you, God has allowed it to happen. I don't get that, Pastor. Of course you don't. If you could wrap your mind around God and everything he's doing, would he be a God or the God? No. But see, this is what I understand. Not only is he God, he is a good God. So if he allows it to come to me, it's not to destroy me. It's to build me up. It's to strengthen me. But then I go on and look at this. The second thing that stands out to me is this. Yes, he is, Satan has to ask God. But then the second thing is that Jesus is praying for us. Have you ever felt like nobody's praying for me? Had a, a pity party. You wanted to cry a little, be sad. Come on, let's admit it. You just wanted to be sad. You have been strong, but you are through being strong. You have planned it out. You're going to get your cup of coffee or whatever it is. And you're going to get over there in the corner. You're going to shut the door. You don't answer nobody's text. Come on, y'all know, know what I'm talking about, right? You just made up your mind. I'm fixing to be sad. And you are sad. And then these things start to come up to you. Ain't nobody, don't nobody even care about me. They don't even nobody text me no more. Now you put your phone in airplane mode so nobody can text you. But still, you, nobody can text me no more. Nobody calls me no more. I'm always reaching out to people, but nobody's ever reaching out to me. That church over there, that church ain't praying for me. I know that pastor don't even know my name. He don't even care about me. He just wants me to come to church and give my in, in the offering. That's all he wants. My family don't even care nothing about me. My family always wants, 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 ask, 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 always coming to the house looking for something. Never wants to give me anything. I go to work. They don't care about me at work. They don't nobody care about me at work. I missed three days at work. They know, all they want to know is when I was coming back. They don't nobody care 
about me at work. They could easily replace me. And that, that, that church, them church, them brothers and sisters, yeah, right. They ain't no brothers and sisters. My brother don't call me. My sisters don't call me. They sure ain't praying for me. Let me help you out. Maybe they ain't praying for you. But can I tell you, I know somebody who's praying for me and his name is Jesus. And if I got to have one person praying for me, I'd rather have the one who's seated at the right hand of God praying for me. And that's what the Bible says. Hebrews tells us that he, is, he ever liveth. He is living to pray for us. Is that comforting? To know that what you're going through, God cares about. He's praying for you. Praying that your faith may not fail. Here's the next thing. First, Satan has to ask permission. Second of all, Jesus is praying that our faith not fail. Thirdly, he prophesies and says, Jesus does. He says, and when you have turned back. Now, if you read on down a little bit, you'll find out what the adversary had thrown at Peter. It was an attack of Peter's faith. Jesus, listen to me now. Jesus has been captured and he's about to be crucified. And Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Peter said, I ain't doing it. There ain't no what, anybody ever found themselves in a place where you said you never would be? No. I'd never, I'm, I'd never be in that situation. I'd be cautious to say, I, I'd, I'd caution you, never say where you never would be. Saints said, there ain't no way, uh, excuse me, Peter said, there ain't no way I'm going to do that. But you know what he done? He did it. Jesus is there being about to be, or already been arrested. The next few hours to be crucified. And people ask Peter, hey, aren't you a follower of Jesus? And Peter says, no, I don't know him. Scared. Feared. Fearing his life. He denies him three times. Now some of y'all would say that Peter is a failure. But a failure is not someone who falls. Now you better hear me good. A failure is not someone who falls. A failure is someone who refuses to get up. You falling does not make you a failure. But if you waller in your fallen state and you refuse to get up, and don't say there ain't nobody trying to help you up, Jesus is praying for you. And I'm going to do my best. If you're down and I know you're down, I'm going to stretch out my hand and I'm going to try to get you up. And I'm, I'm going to try to assign brothers and sisters to you and say, hey, you need to help them. They have fallen, but they are not a failure. I will not give up on them. I will not quit on them because Jesus didn't quit on me. Jesus did not give up on me. Do you hear what I'm saying? You're not a failure because you fall. No, in fact, Jesus said, I know you're struggling and you, your Satan is going to come at you But I'm praying that your faith may not fail. Some of you today, your faith is faltering. But it's not final. Where you're at and what you're going through is not final. I'm encouraging someone today to get back up. Now watch this. Jesus prophesies to Peter knowing he's going to fall. But look what he says. And you, when you have turned back. Are y'all listening to me? He prophesies to Peter right there. He says, I know you're going to fall, 
but I know you're going to get back up. Now, let me tell you why this means so much to me. Well, it means so much to me first because I have fallen, yet God has rescued me and I have gotten back up. Because I know he, And I know it wasn't my own strength. It was his strength working through me. Do you hear what I'm saying? Number two, there's some people I'm really close to. There's some people that I have invested in. There's some people that I love just like family that have turned their backs on God. They have turned away. They are prodigals. They were saved by the grace of God, but they have walked away. But I am standing on this promise of God but when they turn back I believe they are turning around they are yeah they may have fallen but they are going to why are you looking at me like I'm preaching something foreign? Are you listening? Do you have some family in your life? Do you have somebody close to you that has turned away? Maybe it's you. You have turned your back on God. I prophesy over you right now that you will not stay down, that your family will not stay down, but they are getting back. Uh, if you believe that, would you stand on your feet and claim that promise and say, I believe they are turning back. Right now in faith, say, I believe they are turning back. Sit down, sit down. You don't believe it. If you believed it, you'd move. I wouldn't have to tell you to stand up. I wouldn't have to tell you to believe. If you believed that this was reality, you would praise God in advance. Well, see, I told you, you don't see it. Because all you can see is facts. But I'm going to do my best to tell you right now, I can see something you can't see. It is not over. They have not screwed up too much. They are not in too far deep that God cannot reach down and pick them up. Jesus prophesied. He said, you're, you're going to fail. But when you've turned back, when you turn back to me, look what, what the next part, when you turn back, he said, strengthen your brothers. In other words, when you come out of this you're going to learn something let me tell you your past is not to be lived in but it is to be learned from and when you come out of this season Isaiah called it a wilderness season a desert season Jesus called it a sifting season. Satan wants to sift you. But Jesus said when you come out of that, you go right to your brothers and sisters and you encourage them because they need your story. They need to hear about your story of restoration. They need to hear about what God has done in your life and it will encourage them. When you come through the other side, you're going to come through with an anointing like you've never had. You're going to come through with a story like you've never had. You're going to have a praise in your on your lips like you've never had because you're going to know God in a way that you've never known Him before do you can you see it it's not it doesn't just happen this thing is not life is not like that God uses everything now Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 the story of Joseph have you are you familiar with it? It's a story of a man who's called by God but goes through literal hell. Sold into slavery by the ones he loves the most simply because God had a calling on his life. But God allowed it. He went from a slave to second in command Potiphar's house but was lied on and accused of things he'd not done and he went to prison 
Hey, but God allowed it. In prison, God elevates him to second in command over Pharaoh, in Pharaoh's, over, over the kingdom that Pharaoh, over Egypt. Second in command, right under Pharaoh. The Bible says that through all this stuff, being lied on and accused, locked up, sold into slavery, Genesis chapter 50, 20 tells us why. Joseph didn't understand it, but he started to understand it. Can you see it? That's what the, that's what the prophet said. Can you see it? So you can't see it in the moment. But when you look back over your life, you'll begin to see the rhythms of grace. You'll begin to see every chapter. You right now, you're saying it's bad. But when you look back, when you get to the end of the book of your life, you're going to see that it wasn't bad chapters. It was chapters full of grace. It was chapters full of love. It was chapters full of mercy. It was chapters full of the goodness of God. See, this is what Joseph said in 50 verse 20 of the book of Genesis. He said, you planned evil against me. Why does God allow it? Because God's smarter than Satan. And he'll allow Satan to do some things. But it's all for our good. And Joseph, looking back through all of it, said, I get it now. You planned evil against me. But God planned it for my... I need one person that gets what I'm saying right now. If that's, your, if that's you, li- hey, if that's you, you say, Pastor, I get what you're saying. Would you just lift your hand right now? I need somebody to look at right now. You planned evil against me, but I get it now. I didn't see it, but I see it now. God, pl- you planned evil against me, but God planned it for good to bring about the present result. Where I matched was where I was trying to get to and I didn't even know it. What? Look, he says it's for my good, but just not for my good. Look what he said. For the survival of many people. See, he said, you're going to turn back. You're going to come back to me. And when you do, go strengthen your brothers. Because see, God's doing something in your life, but he's such a big God that he can see the past, the present, the future all at the same time. And he's going to bring you through what you're going through, not to destroy you, but to build a testimony so that you can help build other people up, so that you can help strengthen other people. This is the kind of God we serve. This is the way he works for the survival of many people. Uh, Jesus said, when you turn back, hmm, they ain't always going to be, Jane, your son ain't always going to be locked up. Keith, he ain't always going to be struggling with addiction. I mean, can I prophesy with, to you right now? It ain't always going to be like that. Anybody else got a, a kid right now? They're running from the Lord. Anybody right now? If that's you, just raise your hand. It ain't always going to be like that. Let me tell somebody right now. And when they turn back, when they turn back, get ready because you're going to see a ministry come out of bitterness. You're going to see a ministry come out of darkness. You're going to see a ministry birth out of pain. My hurt. Listen. I, hold on just a minute. I have never seen a mother give birth and say, oh, this feels so good. When they're having contractions, they don't say, oh, another one. Sweet. Bring them on. Want some medicine? No. Love the way this feels. No, you know what? The wonderful blessing comes from a lot of pain. A lot of birthing. A lot of screaming. A lot of crying. A lot of hurting. A lot of pain. But at the end, you know why? Why would a mama want to? You know, I've wondered that. What would, what, it's got to be God that a mama would have a baby and then turn around and want to have another one. I don't get that. That's, I don't get that. But see, that's a God thing. That's a God thing. They'll forget about what they've been through knowing that the, on the, 
I'm knowing about the blessing that's coming on the other side. See, I don't look at things I've been through now and think, oh God, this is going to kill me. No, I look at it now and I say, I don't like it. It don't feel good, but I know there's a blessing coming out on the other side of this thing. There may be some pain. There may be some pushing. There may be some trusting, but I believe God's work. I believe God is working this thing out. You planned evil against me, but God planned it for my good. So when you turn back, and I'm jumping back to this conversation with Peter and Jesus, he said, but when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. I've talked about being forged in the fire. I've talked about a lot of illustrations, deserts and wildernesses and all this stuff. But I want to take your attention to verse 31 one more time. And look what Jesus says. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. Jason, bring me that. Will you pick that paper up too? That's my notes. You can keep them preaching one day. Now, y'all know what this is? This is a sifter. Now, I, I, you could probably, I don't know if they all look like this. Do they? I didn't know. Some of them may be bigger. But I told my mama because I knew she had one, and I don't know if this is the original one that she had when I was a kid. It, it could be. But I asked her, I said, because we ain't got one, do we? Yeah, this is a sifter. Okay. It's all right, baby. Hey, there's two things you don't do. Everything else, you do great. You don't fry, you don't fry chicken, you don't sift flour. Well, there's three things. And you don't iron my clothes. But everything else, girl, you do perfect. Okay. Now. This is a sifter. So when I seen that, read that, I've always thought about this thing that my mama has in her kitchen. You, what you do in it, guys, if you don't know, you put flour in it. And then you turn it. This, there's a metal thing, because some of you guys don't know what I'm talking about. There's a metal thing in here, and it turns. Down here is a, is a metal mesh got little holes in it and you put that flour in there and you you start sifting it I didn't know why so I googled it and I said what's the purpose in sifting flour why can't you take the flour I'm sure it's already been sifted at some point why can't you take the flour and just dump it into whatever you want to dump it in, Ariel. Why can't you? You don't know either, do you? <laughs> Some of y'all women going to step into your calling today. You're going to buy you a sifter today. You're going to step in. That's so chauvinist of me, y'all. That's not moving forward in my thinking. Okay, here we go. Men too, men too. So I Googled it. And I said, what's the point in sifting flour? And this is what it said. It'll come up as soon as you Google it. It'll, this is what the first thing. It's to make the flour consistent. Oh, y'all, when I read that earlier this week, I closed my computer. I went, I shut it down. I walked out of my office, went to the bathroom, went to the snack place right down there where we have our snacks, got me a granola bar, ate it. It was too much revelation. I couldn't take it. Ate the granola bar, had to wait 30 minutes and come sit back down and open my computer back up. And I thought, that's why I have these uncomfortable seasons. There ain't nothing good. Listen, this is rough. Hey, Mark, put this, put this by, listen to this. You hear that? Some of y'all thinking that's exactly what it feels like. 
I, that sound is what I've been going through. Like anybody know what I, I'm gonna talk through this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This this is what it feels like. You know what the definition of sifting is? The definition of sifting is tossing and agitation. Some of y'all feel like you are in a season of sifting, of tossing and agitation. Wait a minute, but God is trying to make you consistent. I read on down, I read on down, I read on down what Mr. Google was saying. Then he said this, the reason you want it to be consistent is because if the flower just clumps up and gets in one piece of the batter or the dough or whatever it is when you're building a cake or making a cake, if it's not consistent, the cake will collapse. God is using the seasons in your life to cause he's building a house you are the don't you know that you are the temple of the holy ghost don't you know that you are a house christina and god is building you billy he's making you consistent that what you're going through is not just by chance it's just not happening but god is using it to build you and to make something out of you that you would have never made out of yourself and for yourself i know it don't feel good but it's good for you anybody understand what i'm saying this is what God's doing. And then I thought about it. Now I'm going to go back just a minute. Makes sense. Peter has a conversation with Jesus in another book of the Bible, in another account of the gospel. I don't remember, guys, where it's at. I gave you the verse, though. Was it Mark? Listen to this. Jesus asked his disciples, Brother Lonnie, he says... Who do people say that I am? He said, who do people say that I am? And some of them begin to say, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Still others say that uh, you may be Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus said personally, he said, but who do you say? Are y'all listening to me now? But who do you say that I am? Peter answered, Simon answered. Simon said, I say that you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus flips the script. Jesus is no longer asking, who do you say that I am? Jesus declares something over Simon and says, okay, Right answer. Because of what you responded, I'm calling you blessed, and I'm Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven, and I say this day, I ask you who that I, who am I? But now I'm going to tell you who you are. He said, and I say this day that you are Peter. You're no longer called Simon. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. Now wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What does Simon mean? You can Google this too if you want to. But in the Hebrew, you know what Simon means? A reed. What's a reed? It's a weed. It looks like wheat, but it ain't. And it just tosses in the wind. Whenever, whatever way the wind blows, the slightest amount of pressure causes it to fold. And it bends with pressure. Simon meant shifty, shaky, wishy, washy. You're a reed. But when Peter said, Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah, the promised one, the son of the living God. Jesus said, Simon, you are no longer inconsistent. You are no longer shifting. You are no longer a reed. But I'm chain taking you from a reed to a rock. That's what Peter means. That's Petra. It means rock. 
See, maybe what God is doing in your life is he's taking you from a reed to a rock. Maybe the sifting, maybe the agitation, maybe the shaking. <laughs> maybe all of this is not to hurt you. But maybe God is, anybody know what I'm talking about right now? Maybe God is taking you from a reed to a rock. What you've got to do now is embrace the process. God is a good father. It may not feel good to me, but I'm believing God's taking me from a reed to a rock. He's taking me from inconsistent to consistent. And if you love God, don't you want to be consistent? Don't you want to serve him? Don't you want to stand when everybody else is collapsing and everything else is falling around you? Maybe you're in a sifting season. Maybe you're in a shaking season. Maybe you're in a tossing season. Maybe you're in a wilderness season. Maybe you're in a desert season. But God has not given up on you. God has digged his heels in and he said if you won't quit I won't quit on you and I'm going to take this mess that you're going through and when you come out on the other side baby I'm going to make a masterpiece out of you when you come through this test you're going to have a testimony when you come through this brokenness you're going to know blessing like you've never known it before with somebody standing on your feet right now and say I believe this is the word from God hallelujah stand with me all across the building Hallelujah. I feel God. I feel God. Christian, I feel God. I'm in a season of shifting. Sifting. But I feel God. I'm in a season of wilderness. But I feel God right now. I needed this. Brother Lonnie, your wife's in the hospital right now. But I feel God. You've told me this this week, Brother Lonnie. You said, I don't understand it, but I trust God. You're one of the reasons why I'm preaching this this morning. I don't understand it, but I trust God. I trust God today that he may, it may hurt, but I know it's for my good. Somebody lift your hands right now and say, I trust God. I trust God right now. I trust God right now. Musicians and singers, come right now. Come right now. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God. I'm tr I don't know what to do, but I'm trusting God. Oh, right now, in the name of Jesus. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Lift your hands all over the building. Father, I thank you now. I thank you for this word. Go ahead and play, Malachi. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been good. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been good. I don't understand it, but I understand enough that you see things I don't see. You know things I don't know, and you, you've given me a little insight today, God, through your word. Ah, <laughs> oh, some insight today that I can trust you, that I can trust you, that I can trust you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Just because it feels bad don't mean it's bad for you. Won't you look at me right now? I want you to look at me real good. I've seen God do great things out of bad stuff. And right now, the worst condition you could... Let me say it like this. You may have been experiencing some tragedy today. and God has allowed this tragedy to come to your lives because you haven't made a commitment to serve Him. There's some people in here this morning... Now, I've been talking to a lot of saved people today. I know that. My message has been geared towards that. But I want to shift gears for just a second. But I'm still in the same vein, okay? And that, that is this. God has allowed you to experience some things you've experienced because he's waiting for you to call out on him. You know, I've had mamas, daddies, sit in my office, Say, Pastor, my children, I don't know what it's going to take for God to get a hold of him. Maybe you're here today because you had a mom and a daddy that was praying for you. I don't know what it's going to take, Pastor. Just pray. And we'd pray. We'd grab hands. Y'all, we'd pray. 
We believed God. Much would go by. And the parents would have even greater desperation. And you know what they'd say? And I'll admit, I never got this place with my kids because my kids are young. But I, I, all I heard was love when they said it. This is what they would say. This is what they've said. I'm at the place now, Pastor, where I don't care what God has to do to them or what He allows to come at them. I don't care if He has to put them in a position where their life is at stake because their life is at stake. Already, y'all, it's life or death. And that the love of these parents are, I don't care what has to happen to them on this earth if it causes them to call out on God. And I'm telling you, only a father, a good father, God would love you enough. Remember, He loved you so much that He gave His only Son to die for you. If He done that, don't you think He loves you enough to let you go through pure hell? If it'll get you to get your eyes off of everybody else and to get your eyes on Him, Some of you are thinking right now, Pastor, God don't care nothing about me. If He did, I wouldn't have to go through what I'm going through. Keep your gospel to yourself. I want a loving God. And if He's not a loving God, then I don't want Him. But I'm telling you, He is a loving God. That he would, he would allow you to go through things that are not good for you so that He could get your attention. So that He could spell you, spare you from a sinner's hell. His love is not questioned today. He's already demonstrated His love in this matter that while you were yet a sinner, He gave His Son to die. Do y'all hear me? Do y'all hear me? He gave His Son to die for you. So I've heard the question now. I've heard the question. How could God allow bad stuff to happen to His children, to His creation? Because He loves you. Because he loves you. You don't understand love like that. Kevin, me and you, we can't. We try, but we can't grasp love like that. He loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you more than your mama loves you, more than your daddy loves you, more than I love you, more than your husband, more than your wife loves you. He loves you more than that. There's so many uh, reasons I would call people up here for prayer right now. But the first invite I want to give is this. If you have not received this love today, this love of the Father, don't waste the trial. Don't waste this wilderness. Aren't you ready to get some good out of it? The best thing, I've never said that before, don't waste the wilderness. Aren't you ready to receive what God wants to give you? If you're not saved today, I would 
do whatever I've got to do. I'm not closing eyes and bowing heads today. If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't had an, I ain't talking about religion. I'm not talking about joining church, a church. I'm not talking about being baptized. I'm talking about a real relationship with God. If you have not received God's love in all his fullness, in all his love for you, if you've not received it today, would you step out from where you're at right now? Step out. Ma'am, sir, would you? I'm down here. I'm already here. I'm ready. I'm asking you. I'm begging you. If you don't know him, you want to make sense of it today? That's the only sense I can make out of it. Why would God do this to me? Because he's trying to get you to get your eyes on him. Do you see it? See, there was a man, he was paralyzed, he couldn't see it. There was a group of friends that were friends with this paralyzed man in the Bible. He couldn't see it because he was paralyzed, wasn't able to get out and about. But he had four friends that heard that Jesus was in the neighborhood. And the Bible says that these four friends went to their paralyzed friend's house and said, hey, let us help you. Let us get you showered, get your clothes on, and we're going to carry you. And we're going to take you to where Jesus is. They could see something that he couldn't see. And that's just what happened. And they loaded him up on the stretcher. And they took him, Keith, to where Jesus was. Come here, come here, come on, you, hurry, quick, quick, help him, he's tied up, he's tangled, come on, come here, come on, get right here, right here, come here, let me carry you. And they loaded him up. And they began to take him. Granted, there was four. But they took him. And they walked him to where Jesus was. And the Bible says when they got there, they got there, they said, hey, it's too many people in here. They said, put him up through the roof. And they took him up to the roof. And they lowered him down to where Jesus was. They lowered him down. And when Jesus seen him, the Bible says when they seen their faith that he looked at him and he said because of their faith your sins are forgiven. But he didn't leave him there. Not only did he forgive him of his sins but he kept, grabbed him by the hand and he picked him up Listen to what I'm trying to tell you right now. Listen to what I'm trying to tell you. Maybe you can't see it. Maybe you don't understand what God is doing. But I was this man. I was paralyzed in spirit. I didn't understand what God was doing. But those who've been saved you know what this is all about. Go ahead. What I'm asking you to do right now, those who know that what I'm saying is the truth, I want you to look to the person to the left of you, to the right of you. And I want you to be a friend. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's a stranger. I don't know. But I want you to ask them. Say, if you need to come to Jesus today, 
I'll go with you. Right now, ask them. And I want you to take them by the hand. And I want y'all to come down here. Be a friend to somebody. Right now, is there anybody? Ask them. You take them by the hand. And you come down. I'll be a friend. Do you need Jesus today? Do you? Well, why didn't you ask her? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.